Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the worldwide flood upon the earth as we pick up in Genesis chapter 6, verse 11. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Emmanuel Bilikovsky first came out with his book, uh, Ages or Worlds in Collision, and it was first published by Macmillan. Now, Macmillan publishes a lot of school textbooks, and the professors were so angry at the facts that Emmanuel Bilikovsky came out with in his book, Worlds in Collision, showing the impossibility of uniformitarianism, disproving it, that they raised such a ruckus that Macmillan Company had to quit publishing the book. And Doubleday picked up the rights and began to publish it. But they were determined to not allow the book to come to the public. And when it was delivered to the public, there was a great furor and a quick retraction of the things that he said before the book was ever published, before people had full copies of the book. They were already writing rebuttals, not even knowing for sure what he said. Scientists are not dishonest. I mean, they are not honest. When it comes to a... a uh, a, a destroying of one of their pet little theories, They're, they will lie, they will connive and everything else in order to keep their theory alive. And their pet theory is that man exists by an evolutionary process. And the reason why they love that theory so much is because it is able to exclude God from the system. And anxious to exclude God from their system, they tenaciously, religiously hold to the evolutionary theory, though much evidence is being uncovered that would really make the theory quite incredible. Emmanuel Bielikowski has written a new book, Earth in Upheaval. Now, let me say this concerning Emmanuel Velikovsky. Number one, he doesn't really believe that the Bible is the Word of God. In fact, there are parts of the Bible that he completely rejects. He's not a Christian. He's a Jewish scientist. But he looks at the Bible as a history book, and he takes the things that happened or that the Bible declares happens and he seeks to use them as historic facts to prove his theory, which is that the planet Venus was introduced to our solar system and became fixed in its own orbit at about the time of Joshua, and the long day of Joshua is explained by this near pass of the planet Venus that the plagues in Egypt at the time of Moses are explained by an earlier pass of the planet Venus, that there were several passes until it became fixed in its own orbit around the sun. There were several near misses. 
and that there was a change in the orbital pattern of Mars and Venus, and that Venus was introduced actually into our planetary solar system within the last 5,000 years, causing major upheavals upon the Earth. He also points out that Joseph Prestwich, the professor of geology at Oxford, 1874-1888, an acknowledged authority in the quaternary glacial recent age in England, was struck by a numerous phenomena, all of which led him to the belief that south of England, the south of England had been submerged to a depth of not less than a thousand feet between the glacial and post-glacial or in the recent Neolithic late stone periods. In a spasmodic movement of terrain, the coast and the land masses of southern England were submerged to such a depth that points to a thousand feet high were below sea level in England. And then they, they uh, show or they talk about how that they found these cliffs in, in the various stratas, various widths, uh, and the, with the bones of animals, mammoth, hippopotamus, rhinoceros, horse, polar bear, bison, the bones are broken into innumerable fragments. No skeleton is found entire. The separate bones, in fact, have been dispersed in the most irregular manner and without any bearing to their relative position in the skeleton. Neither do they show any wear, nor have they been gnawed by beasts of prey, though they occur with the bones of hyena, wolf, bear, and lion. In other places in Devonshire uh, and uh, Pembrokeshire, in Wales, the ossiferous Bricia are conglomerates of broken bones and stones in the fissures and limestones consist of angular rock fragments and broken and splintered bones with sharp fractured edges in a fresh state and in splendid condition showing no traces of gnawing. And it tells about how in, there are so many areas around the world where in caves or in clefts and fissures they have found these bones like they have been thrown in the various animals, which are actually predatory to each other, but thrown in at the same time, smashed, and then covered with silt. As if some, by some violent tidal wave action or force. Submerged to a thousand feet. Now, you might again use that to prove an upward thrust theory but it would also provide very interesting proof of a violent flood, which I opt for. <laughs> now he goes on to tell about a, the Cumberland Cavern in Maryland. When workmen were cutting the way for a railroad with dynamite and a steam shovel came upon a cavern or a closed fissure, with a peculiar assemblage of animals, many of the species are comparable to forms now living in the vicinity of the cave, but others are distinctly northern or boreal in their affinities, and some are related to species peculiar to the southern or lower astral region. Thus wrote J.W. Gidley and C.L. Gazen of the United States National Museum. 
A crocodile and tapir are representative of the southern climate. A wolverine and lemming are distinctly northern. It seemed highly improbable that they coexisted in one place. The usual assumption was made that the cave received the animal remains in a glacial and interglacial period. However, the scientist who explored the cavern for the Smithsonian Institute, as soon as it was discovered and who returned there the following years for closer investigation, J.W. Gidley contended that the animals were contemporaneous. That is, they lived at the same time. The position of the bones excluded any other explanation. This strange assemblage of fossil remains occurs hopelessly intermingled. Now, of course, the climactic condition prior to the flood was different around the earth. The animals could have been commingling and existing together in the same area, thrown in by the violent force of the flood, the great waters of the deep being broken and thrown in and broken, the bones broken and then covered there in the cavern with silk. Now, uh, one further thing in the book is uh, he talks about the Himalayas. Scientists of the 19th century were dismayed to find that as high as they climbed in the Himalayas, the rocks of the massifs yielded skeletons of marine animals, fish that swim in the ocean, and the shells of mollusks. This was evidence that the Himalayas had risen from beneath the sea, or evidence that the Himalayas were covered by water. Same thing down in South America, there in the Andean mountains and so forth. Uh, all evidence that at one time covered by water. So God has left evidence. Men are misinterpreting quite often the evidence that God has left. But there is not one good reason to believe other than these remains were left by a great flood, that these areas were indeed covered with water that covered the earth unto 15 feet above the highest mountains, just like the scriptures declared. You might pick up this little book, Earth in Upheaval, or Earth in Upheaval by Bielikowski. It certainly destroys the theory of uniformitarianism and shows the uh, real documentation of cataclysmic changes in the earth. Also, I was intrigued by his, book's World in Collision, his book, World in Collision, too. I find it very interesting. There are many evidences of a great flood. There are some areas where the silt deposits are so thick, hundreds of feet thick, and for silt to be deposited in, in, in such a thick deposit would necessitate several thousand feet of water uh, for silt deposits that large. Now, the evolutionists seek to use the geological column as the basis of proof for the evolutionary theory. There are many problems with the use of the geological column as the basis of proof for the evolutionary theory, not the least of being the fact that the geological columns are totally lacking in any evidence of any transition forms from one species to another. Not one single evidence of a transitional form of species, which, of course, is a vital part of the evolutionary theory. 
But this total lack of evidence in the geological column of any transitory form of species caused a professor at Stanford University to come up with the hopeful monster theory to prove the change or to explain the changes of species for which the geological column is so absolutely silent. And so according to the hopeful monster theory, the snake laid its eggs in the sand and when they hatched, the birds flew out. <laughs> he may call it the hopeful monster theory, but as far as I'm concerned, it's for the birds. Because you'd have to have two birds flying out in order that they might continue a new chain and develop a new species. The geological column is interesting. Of course, it's, it's, it's a, a, a thing that is involved in circular reasoning. For how do they age, how do they date the, the various geological formations? They aged them by the type of fossil found in it. Now, how do they age the fossils found in the various formations? The fossils are aged by the type of formation they are found in. In other words, there is no accurate way of aging. They are dated upon the assumption of the truth of the evolutionary theory that all things have evolved from a lesser form to a higher form. But there are areas where there is a total reversal of, of the geological column, where some of the older columns are over the top of the new. For several hundred and in some places several thousand square miles. And so they've developed, of course, they're never lost for a idea or a theory, and they uh, developed this whole uh, flip-flop pancake theory that somehow the whole thing got flipped over. Several thousand miles, just <laughs> square miles flipped over, inverting the columns. Of course, how one tree was able to grow through several of the various forms of these of, of, of the uh, geological column rocks and so forth, uh, covering several millions of years is a little bit harder for them to explain. But if you believe in the flood, you have no problem with the geological column at all. Everything was made after its own species, just like God said. Now, it would stand to reason that the lower-order form of life would be the first that would just be lost in the flood and drowned at the lower levels. And as the sediment would build up, you would have the higher forms of life, some that would be able to get higher in the, on the cliff or, or be able to swim maybe a bit and would be planted higher. And so the more complex forms would be higher in the geological column. But all of them being placed there by the flood, and the flood really is a far more plausible explanation of the geological column and is in total harmony with a model that you would set by creation by God of species after their own kind and all, because then you would not expect to have any transitional forms between species. So the flood itself 
gives to us a very plausible explanation of the whole geological column and the geological column actually again a proof that the flood did exist but Peter though he wrote 2,000 years ago seemed to nail the thing right on the head for he said in the last days scoffers would come saying where is the promise of his coming for all things continue as from the beginning since our fathers have fallen asleep that's the doctrine or the theory of uniformitarianism everything is continuing as it was from the beginning so Peter foresaw this theory of uniformitarianism by the scoffers who would be mocking at the Bible and the promises of the coming of Jesus Christ all things continue as they were from the beginning Peter said they would be saying or the doctrine or the theory of uniformitarianism but Peter said of this they are willingly ignorant that God destroyed the world with a flood the one thing that would account for all of the evidences they are willingly ignorant of that fact Peter nailed it way in advance foreseeing it by the Spirit of God so Again, the Bible is well ahead of man. So God gave to Noah the dimensions of the ark. Now it was to have a window of about 18 inches and they feel that this window was all the way around the top. In other words, there was this opening all the way around the top to give uh, air and ventilation. Of course, man, with all those animals for that much time, you'd really want to ventilate it to some extent and so 18 inches the cubit shalt thou finish it above and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side with the lower second and third story shalt thou make it and behold I even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die but with thee will I establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark and thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons wives with thee and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Of the fowls after their kind, the cattle after their kind, the creeping things of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive and to take unto thee of all the food that is eaten and thou shalt gather it to thee and it shall be for food for thee and for them. And thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, of course, when Noah brought them in, uh, it was all after their kind. In other words, he didn't have to bring in dacuns and colliers and spaniels and samoyeds and all different He could bring in one pair of dogs. Uh, and there are mutant strains that do exist. And there is definitely evolutionary processes that take place on a horizontal plane within a family, within a species. There are the changes, the mutant changes that can take place within species. So he didn't have to bring in all kinds of cats, Persian, Siamese, etc. Just one pair of cats would do. And so the, the variations that have come within species, there's no problem with that. So the ark you know, wouldn't have to bring one of every variety within a species, just the major species head 
for each species that he brought in and allowing evolutionary changes within a species. Where you cannot find evidence for evolutionary changes is in the vertical, the transition from one species to another. That's where the evidence is lacking. Sure, you can show that a, a, a monkey of one period had, you know, 18 teeth and another, and, and during the different periods, you know, there were mutant strains and so forth, and more teeth and less teeth, etc. Changes of facial parts and so forth. Sure, you can have mutants in a horizontal change, but you don't have vertical changes from one species to another. And this, of course, is where the theory of evolution fails in proof of any transitional forms in the changing from one species to another species. And so the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all of your house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now of the clean beast thou shalt take by sevens, male with his female. So seven pair of the clean beast. And of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male with his female. Of the fowls of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep the seed alive upon the face of all the earth. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 6-7 through when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and keep you I pray that God will give you divine insulation by His Holy Spirit that will just sort of ward off all of the evil influences that are pointed in your direction that surround you daily when you're on the job or in your classroom or or, or just dealing with, with this corrupt system. I pray that God will just help you to keep your mind and heart fixed upon Him and that you'll be strengthened as we look to Him, our only hope, but who is our strength and our defense. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
The Word for Today is pleased to present a timely book entitled Philippians, a Bible study for women by Kay Smith, wife of Pastor Chuck. In times of hardship and doubt, are you filled with joy? If this less-than-perfect world has robbed you of joy and filled you instead with fear and worry, you must learn the secrets found in the book of Philippians. Join Kay as she discovers the Apostle Paul's top secrets to a life filled with joy, available to every Christian woman today. Sometimes in the deepest trials, God will so minister to us, or the Holy Spirit will so minister to us, that even in the deepest trials, we can have joy. And that's what we're trying to impress on the people's heart. We have joy just because we have Jesus. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD. That's 1-800-272-9673. And godliness with contentment is great gain.